Hello, everyone. This is Michael Jaco with Unleashing Intuition Secrets, the podcast. Join us as we reveal how you can become the master of your reality. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Jaco with Unleashing Intuition Secrets. And I'm joined today by Michelle Lee. She has, uh, she's the first woman to go solo across the uh, ocean, Australian woman. So uh, unbelievable, 5,000 kilometers in uh, 68 days in 2019. And then just recently uh, went across the uh, Pacific in uh, 14,000 kilometers. So you've done several uh, different uh, rows over the, over the years. Uh, this last one that you just recently completed was absolutely monumental. I was looking through the uh, the news articles and so forth. You went through numerous hurricanes and typhoons and all kind of crazy stuff and sharks jumping into your boat and all kind of crazy stuff. Wow, what a, what an adventure. Tell us a little bit about yourself uh, and uh, how, how you got into that. Uh, yeah, thank you so much, Michael. Um, it was actually thanks to a book. So I always uh, issue a warning, be careful what you read. And after reading a book called Rowing the Atlantic, you know, I, I was obsessed with the idea until one day I sat down and thought, if I don't do this, I will die wondering. So basically the Atlantic was thanks to Ross Savage's book called Rowing the Atlantic. And um, when something plagues you so consistently and persistently, what are you going to do with that? You, you just got to do it, you know. Mm. So I was not a rower, not an elite, not an athlete, not an Olympian, you know, and I literally had never rowed or put an oar in water until we launched my boat in 2017. So we had to build the boat. So, you know, there was just so many layers and elements of um, of this story of, you know, preparation and the time that it takes, the dedication and a little bit of sacrifice, obviously, in your, your personal life. Everything gets put on hold. So really the end of the row becomes more about reclaiming your life. So you sort of think, well, once this is done, I can get my life back, you know. <laughs> Uh, so that was the Atlantic. Yeah, that was 68 days. That was, you know, my maiden voyage, my boat's maiden voyage. So we learned a lot about each other. And I was saying when I was out there, you know, if I was to row another ocean, you know, what would I do differently? And I started planting the seed really uh, on day 34 in, in uh, the middle of the Pacific Ocean. I uh, sorry, the Atlantic where I, I knew that I would make changes to the boat. I would simplify systems. I would beef up other systems. You know, mm. I knew I had to step up mentally I knew I would have to do a lot of work uh, on my mental state because I did none for the Atlantic so um, it's always you know with adventure one thing leads to another and you'll never ever Monday to Friday nine to five again I know that my life will never be normal as you know most people know it so it's it just is an addiction wow that's amazing uh, most people they'd probably go through they'd be halfway across the Atlantic so it's like I can't wait till I get out of this but I, I like that kind of spirit. You know, I've, I've been that way throughout my life too. I would do something very, very challenging. I'm like, well, what's next? So yeah. you did, you went from like tough to like unbelievable. So, uh, wow. Uh, that, that was a, that was a huge leap. I'm going to share the screen and kind of give everyone an idea, you know, what that looked like, you know, just from, uh, the viewpoints of going from Ensenada, Mexico to Carnes. Queensland. So that's, that's quite a long time, 240 days. Uh, so you're out there just, here's your little boat. Uh, you're out there rowing. 
It looks like you got a cabin. Dude. So what what did you do? Did you uh, row for a certain period of time, take a break? How, how did that work for you? I just treated it like a job. So I basically was out on deck for 12 hours a day. So mm-hmm. basically I, I operated with sun up, sun down, yep. which is the perfect way, you know, that is how we're meant to operate. And, um, you know, we go to bed with Mel, we wake up with Sarah. You know, you, you melatonin kicks in as soon as that sun starts to dip. I'd start yawning, thinking, oh, that's melatonin, man. And then as soon as the first sign of daylight, uh, you know, your serotonin kicks in. It's like, all right, everybody's up, you know. <laughs> so I, I literally treated it like a job, you know, like, you know. So I was out on deck, would row between 10 and 11 hours a day, and then uh, just go and sleep for, you know, in my little watertight cabin for the dark hours. I, I really rarely rowed at night time. I don't like rowing at night time, but you feel very, very vulnerable, very exposed. And um, I just didn't love it. So it wasn't really till the end when I had to, you know, coming across the reef to get into Cairns and Port Douglas, mm. I had to row at night time. I had to row with the tides and they just happened to be favorable at 2 a.m. till yeah. uh, 8 a.m. So, yeah. Um, yeah, basically I just rowed all day, slept all night. <laughs> wow. So uh, did you, you locked your, uh, your, your steering mechanism, whatever, and just, uh, it, or did something, uh, you know, move you at all, or you just put up a sail? How, how'd that work for you at night? Yeah. Uh, no sails are allowed. So it is a rowing okay. race and, uh, or a rowing event. So you're not allowed to have a, a canopy or anything that could resemble or act as a sail. So I was literally out there in the elements and, um, yeah, on the nighttime you just drift. So you're doing whatever mother nature's doing. And if she's giving you favorable conditions and pushing you in the direction that you want. You know, if you've got following winds, seas and currents, you're kicking goals because that's, that's like, you know, miles for nothing, basically. So I would set the autopilot to hold me on a bearing and um, they would just hold me on a loose bearing. Um, But there were other nights where, you know, I might have to put the sea anchor out because I was being blown backwards. So when you, you know, zoom in on my track at the end and you can see me doing circles and, you know, going north and east, that's just the conditions. They just push uh-huh. you around. And um, the the best I could do in those uh, circumstances was to put the sea anchor out, which would create a lot of drag and slow my drift. So, you know, just to minimize the damage in the morning. Ah, brilliant. Yeah. So that, that makes a lot of sense. I, I did a, a crazy event where I... Uh, I hiked the Pacific Crest Trail for, for like over four months. And it was kind of like the same thing. You just, uh, you just walk all day up and down mountains. Uh, it's, you know, pretty strenuous in the beginning. It, it wears you out, but then you get into a rhythm. And like yourself, I would go from morning till, till evening. I would literally eat while I was moving. Uh, what, what kind of things did you, uh, did you see yourself doing over time? Yeah, pretty much the same. And, and I, whatever I adopted in terms of discipline and routine, uh, I adopted it very early. Like in the first two days, I, I sort of get my routine and my rhythm. Um, and I maintained that because I don't know, it just was the natural thing to do. And I used to eat on the row, on the row as well. So mm. the Pacific is very hectic and very demanding compared to the Atlantic. So during the Atlantic 68 days, oh, I had a proper lunch break every day. It would pretty much had following wind season currents, but not on the Pacific. You know, it took me three weeks just to try and break away from the coast of uh, Mexico. There was five hurricanes that, you know, sort of weaved in in between me constantly 
for the full three weeks getting off the coast. And it was touch and go for a while whether I was even going to be able to pull away. So I used to just line my pots of food up in the morning and basically just stay on that rowing seat. I'd shovel food in while I was rowing between taking a a stroke, shovel a spoonful in. (laughs) So, um, and, and that was the theme of my whole you know, 240 days on the Pacific, I kind of thought, oh, I bet you when I get in the South Pacific, it'll get better. It'll get easier. It never did. It got harder. Like the Coral Sea was just relentless. It was nasty. And I was out there in the middle of um, peak cyclone season. So, you know, (laughs) choose your battles. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, for me, you know, I'd, always been out in the sun i've been in the middle east and you know as a navy seal and so forth uh, uh so i was i felt like i was fairly you know good in the sun uh i put a little sunscreen on and that was good i i, I tanned fairly well but what i noticed uh starting down in the you know the mexico side like you did and then starting to towards canada i uh i my all all my exposed skins burn i was like i have never burned in my whole life like this blisters and everything uh, what, did you notice things over time? I mean, I got, I went through, I went through a pair of hiking shoes every month. I just blew them up every month. What, what kind of things were you noticing, uh, that you were just like blowing through, uh, over, over time? Max. <laughs> Max. Yeah. Oh yeah. You couldn't even, I couldn't even up. I lost 50 pounds, uh, and I was constantly eating the whole time. <laughs> yeah. It's a good weight loss program, isn't it? Uh, oh, no. but yeah. The snack situation I, I read out of them by day 160, I didn't have one snack left on board. I had no chocolate, no biscuits, no cake, uh, no muesli bars. Just all I had was meals, like proper dehydrated meals, which, you mm. know, in the morning for breakfast, all I, all I want was some oats or some muesli, granola, or and the, I had to have lamb casserole at morning in breakfast time. <laughs> so oh, nice. Wow. It became a bit, became a bit miserable. Um, but, uh, Look, you know, as far as sunburn goes, I, I was dressed in, in long-sleeve rashes all the time. I wore them constantly because nope. I just knew that I couldn't afford to get sunburned. And in my planning uh, process, I said to myself, even for the Atlantic, to get burnt is just sheer stupidity because your right. body does not need that additional stress and strain to deal with. So I was very diligent and I never, ever got sunburned, but um, my lip wind chafe, you know, wind chafing on my bottom lip was a challenge pretty much from, oh, the first three weeks in, I was suffering with, you know, this sore lip, you know, and you try everything. You you try covering it up. You try, you know, putting gaffer tape across it <laughs> with, you know, a little bit of gauze in between, you know, and make this super big bad day. But um, it's it's just relentless out there. So there are certain things that you, you just know you're going to have to just suck up and, and cop it and fix it when you get home you know you just I used to say my body will start to heal at the last stroke and it does you heal so quickly the body is miraculous I just I'm in awe of the body's ability to heal and you know when you put it in the right environment she can do anything she can produce anything you know yeah that's that's incredible so I would uh, like at night uh, in the early stages uh I would get like these my 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 calves would go into super cramps just extremely painful cramps until i learned how to you know my body adapted uh there's i have a score on my shoulder right here where the my pack just like rubbed me raw and i just i i can't stop i gotta keep going uh 
but I got to resupply. Uh, so that's a, that is amazing that you just had to get everything you needed and you never got resupplied that whole time. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, that was a big challenge fitting everything on, on my boat for that amount of time, you know, so everything had to be purposefully repackaged, you know, rather than opening an individual packet of dehydrated meal, Mm -hmm. I would have 10 meals in one bag. So, you know, it was a bit of a logistical challenge to um, be able to fit everything inside, you know, the health. Weight ended up not being my issue. I was just like, you know what? It is what it is. I know I'm going to be heavy. I know that. So I was never like, oh, oh no, we won't do that because it takes weight. Nah, it's just like if there's space, just put it on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what what did you do with, with uh, water? Do you have a water catchment? Uh, no, I had a water maker. So I had an electric oh. water maker, which uh, like a little desal machine, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was my most expensive in terms of uh, energy consumption. So she would draw four amps. So I, I had to be aware of how many amps all my gear was drawing. And, you know, in, in tough times, you know, we had cloud for several days, especially coming across the equator and across the ITCZ. Uh, there was just constant cloud and rain and, you know, I'm in the tropics for God's sake. So I would have to supplement my water with a handheld water maker. So at the end of every day, I would find myself, you know, supplementing my water by manually pumping, um, because I didn't have enough battery power. You know what I mean? I just wasn't getting the amps in. So that was a constant challenge monitoring and managing my um, power on board to fuel, you know, like I've got um, electronic chart plotter, you've got your VHF radio. There's certain things that you have to run for your safety, you know, especially at nighttime. I had to have my AIS on, I had to have that automated identification system on, which is uh, how the ships can see me and how I can see them. We can see each other on the screen. So, yeah, that's that's what I had to had to do constantly. It was just monitor. Wow. So, uh, yeah, that I, I see you have solar power on there. So, uh, that a good battery source. So it's nice. It's built into the uh, the hole like that. So you don't have like a, a separate system that could break and and you'd lose it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Um, what I discovered out there was those solar panels you're looking at right now on the gunnels, they were not generating anything. They weren't giving me any power, which is oh, why yeah. I was struggling. Oh. So I can't wait to get my boat back and find out what the problem was there. And I've been oh, no. something so minor. I bet you anybody it's so minor. Yeah. And it could have been fixed out there, but I just, you know, there's certain things that you used. I wasn't brave enough to get into my electrical box and start, you know, pulling this yeah. out and putting that there. And I just, I thought if I if I you know make it work, <laughs> it could be game over. Like if I if I was powerless, it would have been game over. Yeah, and that that's kind of way I was. I had a uh, a little solar panel that I that I had on my backpack. It I used it to like power up my phone. It was it was barely sufficient barely sufficient just to keep it you know somewhat uh, operational. So yeah, it is. Oh, like you love adventure for yeah. um, how resourceful it makes you. You know, like. And how, how little you realize you need that it really makes you think of what is important. What do I actually need versus what do I just want, you know? Yeah. So you take a little break there and uh, doing a little music. That's nice. <laughs> took the ukulele, took the ukulele uh, on board 
And yeah. really, I, I really only got to play it when it was locked in my cabin. So I had some forced lockdowns during the um, cyclones and the hurricanes. And yeah. uh, there was actually a nine-day lockdown in in my cabin. So I played the Yucca fair bit during that period. Oh, very good. All right. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the, the rowing right there, uh, you know, I've done a lot of rowing myself, not on this scale, nothing on this scale. Uh, what did you do to train for, for this? That's pretty impressive. Um, my training program was predominantly a gym-based weight program, actually. Um, so we changed it up a lot for this row. You know, we looked at, you know, lessons learned from the previous one. We looked at all my weaknesses. And um, the training program actually had me doing a lot of the hanging, a lot of gripping. I joined a, a climbing gym and I was, you know, just in suspended hangs and holds so that I was constantly overloading all my tendons and my elbows, um, my flexors, my extensors. So that by the time I gripped the oar and I was doing that for hours and hours, that was nothing compared to what I'd just done in the climbing gym, hanging with whole body weight. So right. yeah, we changed it up. And I tell you what, I never ever got one injury, not one overuse injury. I never ever woke up going, oh man, I feel like I've just rode a marathon. Nothing like that. It was just um, the like, it was perfect. You know, if I had to, Given a big ticket, it, it passed with flying colors. My yeah. Program. Do you, do you feel like your your physique is perfect for that, or how, what? How did that work out for you? No, no, I, I actually don't have the um the perfect typical rowers physique. You know, they're tall, they've got long, long legs. <laughs> don't have those. Um, they're they're usually quite lean. Um, so you know, I don't have a typical rower's uh, body, and even to this day, you know, even after. The, the rowing that I've done, I still do not call myself a rower. Um, you know, if you really put me in, in one of those nice long skinny boats, uh, they would just like critique me to pieces. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm, I'm not a rower, uh, but you know, it was just happened to be the means to an end to get across there. Right. So do you have a, have a little bit of training from a, you know, some experts or anything or some pointers or do you look some videos? How, how did you, how did you uh, look at the, your rowing technique. So I actually did the uh, world record for to train. So in order to actually learn how to row, I did the um, world record for the fastest woman to row a million meters on a Concept Two. So if you want a, a record in in um, rowing, you go to Concept Two, and they've got lots of different uh, categories. Yeah. So I just went for the biggest, the most long distance stamina endurance event that they have, which is the one million meter, which is um, a thousand kilometers. Mm. And, uh, and I used that as my training ground that, that is how I learned how to row. It's also how I, um, you know, my body had to go through a lot of adaptations. It had to become the long distance stamina endurance, you know, like workhorse. So, uh, for six months during that training program, that's what I was doing. I was learning how to row. I was becoming that long distance stamina endurance body. Um, and then I was also ticking other boxes because I'd, I had to create some kind of credibility validation. I had to build some kind of a profile because I was knocking on sponsors' doors saying, hey, will you sponsor me to row across the Atlantic? They're like, well, who are you and what have you done? So I yeah. thought, okay, well, so I did get training from that. In fact, it was uh, an Australian guy whom also holds the fastest uh, male one million meter record. So he trained me. Mm. He lives in Queensland and he, he gave me his blueprint basically and said, Follow this for six months. This should get you across the line. And then on the day, it's up to you. You got to dig deep. You got to find it. And, but you know, this is the preparation. 
So I, I followed it to a T. I, I never deviated from that program in six months. You know, I was right eight hours every Sunday, six hours every Monday. It was a very undulating um, program, had me doing sprint sessions, long, slow, steady, you know. So all as I can say there is when you put the work in, when you follow the program mm -hmm. and you do not deviate, you can't lose. You can't lose. You absolutely cannot. I'm convinced. I just know that you just got to put the work in. Persistence pays off every single time. Wow. So as a kid or any time in your life, did you do rowing? Never. Never, ever. No. I had never oh. rode, never rode a boat in my life until, you know, we launched my boat uh, in the 2017. We built it, launched it. That's literally the first time I've ever put an oar in the water. Mm. Wow. So, yeah. Because, you know, being <laughs> military, I, I was used to, you know, having a backpack on and, and, uh, and walking long distance, uh, but nothing like what I did. You know, I was like, you know, someday I'd like to just all day long I'd work out. And so I get to, I get to realize that dream. So day after day, month after month, it was, it was great. Um, it was very challenging and I had a lot of, a lot of things to overcome like yourself, you know, and learn, you know, how to, how to adapt to different things. Um, but it was, it was a beautiful experience. So now we've got all the, like the, you know, the meat, the, you know, the simple, the simple stuff I say, you know, where you learn how to like, just do the, do the work, do the work every day, you know, uh, then what happens on the spiritual level on like, cause I had amazing spiritual, uh, you know, things that happened to me. So out there all by yourself and I would be out in the wilderness all by myself for, I remember the longest time was like maybe 10 days, but you were out there for like hundreds of days. <laughs> what, what kind of, uh, amazing, uh, experiences did you have? Hello, this is Michael Jaco. If you want to learn more on how to unleash your own intuition, go to michaelkjaco.com, unleashingintuition.com, where you can find my courses on how to become the master of your own reality. Uh, it, it actually does become quite spiritual and you become nice. almost a little bit superstitious. And, uh, you know, like I had a bird just come and at my eye level like I could feel his wings wow. and he's just hovering eyeballing me like I'm like I'm looking at him going oh, oh my god like what do you want from me I'm thinking you know what are you trying to tell me do you know something I don't know like who sent you who are you you know so yeah you start to think that these showings of uh you know a pot of dolphins and they seem to come right at the right time when you're at a low point they just seem to show up and you're like oh thank you guys thanks for coming today i need you today you know so you it does become really uh spiritual and and you do believe that everything out there and in the universe and the people's prayers and the people's good wishes and well wishes it travels you know there is a it, it's it's like there is a ripple effect of everybody's good thoughts. And, and you know that everyone's conspiring for this to happen. You know, they want this to happen. The universe wants this to happen for you. So, uh, and even during my preparation, you know, the two years, I, I prepped during COVID. So I chose to do this at one of the most difficult times in history when, you know, everyone's in lockdown. I, I've got a gallivant, man. I've got to go. I've got to get my boat fixed sitting around home. is not going to get me prepared to take off. You know, I wanted to be out of here on the ocean to turn 50. So I was very motivated by a deadline. You know, I needed to be out there by the 5th of August because uh, that was my birthday present to myself. Oh, okay. That was my 50th. So, um, 
you know, just everything that I did, I just realized that um, there is a bigger force out there, bigger than me. And I know that when you are acting true to your core and you are being true to your compass, the universe opens up doors for you that you could never imagine. And people come from, you know, amazing places to help make this happen. So that that's a very big message that, you know, I scream from the rooftop is stay true to your core, dig your heels in, don't take no for an answer. Don't be afraid to be the seven swimming upstream, you know, um, and reach out to the people who can help you and who speak your language, surround yourself with those people. The others will just fall away by the wayside. It's just natural. It, it will just happen. And that's exactly what happened. You know, I reached out to Australia one to, to, um, Ricardo and, and his family, you know, and I, when I say his family, I mean the whole A1, you know, all the supporters and stuff. So it was during a time in history where I had to be surrounded by people who spoke my language um, so that I could remain strong. And, you know, on those times when you have that little birdie on your shoulder, you know, that little bit of imposter syndrome or, you know, someone questioning and doubting what, who you, who you think you can do this. Like um, those are the times when having the support of others is uh oh it's essential and it you know it's it was a really beautiful part of my my um uh planning and my preparation because i learned a lot in those months i really did about humanity uh about human nature (laughs) um and and i'm just really really grateful that i was able to stand strong in my convictions and it's because i had the support of of all those other people that you know sung my tune sort of thing yeah, or have you have you thought about writing a book or anything about your your adventure? And yeah, it's like, it's, oh, good, good. It's all up there. I just have to bat. Yeah, I just yeah. Have to get it out. Good. <laughs> I, I hope you do. That's going to be amazing because I bet you have some uh, incredible things. So I, Ricardo Bosi, you know, uh, you know, SAS Special Air Squadron. You know, I work with those. The I love the Aussie SAS. Uh, they very much like SEALs. Uh, and but we all have like you know. A lot of stuff we can draw on, you know. We uh, have done amazing things, impossible things, uh, and you just come out of the woodwork and you just like do what we would be like. Wow, what I can't believe, you know, you just came out of the woodwork and did that. But tell us about that drive and that determination uh, that that you got from this. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, it was. Um, you know. I think sometimes your most dissatisfied dissatisfied states of, of being, that's where you can draw the most like gumption and, and you know, guts and glory and just, you know, no, no one's going to stop me. That's, that's, you draw on all those uh, what could be seen as negative, you know. Um, I used all that. So, you know, as soon as we went into lockdown, I went into meltdown and I was, you know, carrying on and bitching and moaning about the whole situation. I thought, well, you know what, Michelle? Use this to fucking do something. Get off your ass and get out there and do something. And that's what it was. It was a massive motivator. Yeah. It created a lot of, you know, ignited a big spark. And uh, that's how it became Row for Freedom. It was, you know, um, all, all of the things that we were being forced to do that just did not make one bit of sense. You mean you're locking me up and I'm not sick? I'm not even, there's nothing wrong with me. What, I can't go to work? Like, None of it made fucking sense. So um, I used all of that and I refused to give it, you know, during all the lockdowns, I was out preparing my boat. I went off to the boat yard, went to the boat shed. I 
I had shit to do and sitting around home was not going to fucking get the stuff done. So yeah, I, I just was like, man, again, stay strong in your convictions and yeah. dig your heels in. Don't be afraid to be the only or, you know, the minority, um, which I was. Um, be proud of that. And, and, you know, like at the end of the day, uh, it, it, for me, it was a huge opportunity for growth, what we experienced. Um, and yes, I, I've learned some weaknesses out of, I've got to develop a little bit more compassion. <laughs> so, but you know, it's it sort of, you know, it did teach me a whole lot and, and would I change a thing? No, I, I would do it all again, exactly the same, because I mean, that time in history really, really got me revved up and it really made me ask myself, what are your values? What, what are the things that you would fucking fight for? You know? Yeah. Good, good. And I think all of us need to, uh, pay attention to that, that drive and that termination. So that never happens to humanity again. So I, I love, I love that drive. Uh, there's a lot of us that, that share that experience, uh, that you have as being very frustrated and wanting to some kind of outlet, you, you helped us with that, you know, people that watched you and now myself, you know, looking at your incredible achievement, you know, I get, it kind of like ramps me up a little bit to, uh, you know, Hey, keep your focus. Uh, it, it does make a difference, uh, going forward. So your, your website, uh, solo rower.com, yeah. uh, you have, uh, you have a lot of stuff in here. You got stuff on your boat. Uh, your partners, event speaking, podcast. Uh, so it sounds like you're pretty busy. It was, uh, you got back and I, uh, Ricardo like reached out to me, you know, you should have Michelle on. I was like, God, it's amazing, but you, you need a little break time. So you're, are you ready to like really get out there and, uh, and share information now, Michelle? Yeah. I'm ready to hit the ground running now. I, uh, you know, when you come home, there's a little bit of repair to do. Uh, there's also after 240 days, there was reintegrating back into society was actually more challenging than I thought it would be. Um, I didn't realize that, you know, just your everyday stuff, you know, being back in first world has uh, pros and cons. It really does. I, you know, there's plenty of that I've missed uh, about being out there in the middle of the ocean. Um, but then there's also, you know, you stand at the kitchen tap and you're running water unlimited without thought, um, you know, there's, there's those sorts of things that you love about being on first on, in first world. But yes, I'm ready. I've been going through my footage. So I've got enough footage now that I've uh, edited and culled and, you know, uh, ready to show little bits and snippets of what it's like out there because, um, you know, I can only explain it so well. And there is, you know, I feel like my, my ability to really show you what it's like uh, is limited. <laughs> Uh, you've got to see some of the footage. You just got to see some of the videos, and then, then you know, um, I feel like my ability to really take you on that journey without any footage is inadequate to really fully explain what it's like out there, the beauty. And you know, I used to just say to, to Mother Nature, "Man, you are just showing off your runway ready. Take me as I am, natural beauty." Like you know, that's how she was every day. Oh. It's just like, well, here I am. Take me or leave me, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was it was really such a privilege because there's people will never know what I've seen that, and I, I can't adequately explain it. You know, I'm like, just go and do it, go and row an ocean. <laughs> That's beautiful. 
And I, I love this quote from you, don't die wondering, start thinking you can, and you will. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I live by those. They're, they're my motto. What was my motto? It's, it's now become my mantra. Do you know what I mean? Right. So yeah. just say yes. You're just going to look at life as uh, its opportunities are waiting and you just need to say yes. And then you work all the detail out. Like I said, the uh, when you commit fully and you are 100% and you're there's no conflict, you've got brain and heart all agreeing that, yes, this is what we're doing. Doors just open. Don't worry about the how. Just commit fully and the rest happens. Mm. The Australia made. That's beautiful. So you had uh, Aussie One uh, help you. Is that what you were saying? Yeah, yeah. There you wow. go. So I, I remember I remember that time frame, uh, the America's Cup, and you know, the, there was a joke. If, if you want to see the America's Cup, you have to come to Australia because <laughs> those guys won it. Because uh, they had the best boat. It was unbelievable. So, yeah, it looks like you have some super nice technology on that boat. Yeah, she's got everything a ship has got. She's got, uh, you know, the solar panels, batteries, VHF radio, chart plotter, autopilot, electric water maker. Then, you know, for safety, I've got the four-man life raft. There's flares, signaling mirror. Like, there's just, it, it's phenomenal, really, the planning that goes into uh, this and the boxes that you have to tick, you know, like, the courses that I've had to do, um, your central seamanship and navigation, you've had to learn how to stitch yourself up in case I gashed my leg open. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I had uh, a, a mini hospital on board in terms of uh, uh, drugs, injectables, wow. you name it. I had it uh, and I wow. didn't need any of it, thank God. That's that's absolutely incredible. Yeah, that makes sense. You're, you're like a, a you know, one-person show out there. Uh, and I, yeah. you know, I, I was the same way in the SEAL teams. And when I was in the CIA, you, you might get, you know, might blow you up or shoot you up or whatever. And you gotta, everybody else is fighting. You gotta stitch yourself up. So we all learn how to do that. That's, that's pretty, that's pretty impressive. You, you learn the same thing, but it obviously makes sense. You would. Uh, you know, it's one of those things you think, okay, well, I've seen it done and I've stitched some, you know, a few stitches in the pink skin. Could I really do it to myself? <laughs> you no. just don't know, do you? You don't know what you're capable of. All I do know is that we are way more capable than we know. There's so much untapped potential. And while ever you stay in your Monday to Friday nine to five, you'll never have a clue what you have. Like, how do you know? So, you know, just you got to do something a little bit uncomfortable every week, commit to something that makes you go, oh, I'm a bit scared. Say yes get it done and then you know every time you triumph or, or you achieve it it's like yes and you just keep constantly raising the bar and that's what I've done over time you know this this was not just wake up one morning up great I'm gonna roll an ocean it's it was built you know the resilience factor is built over time and that's just mm -hmm. through constantly saying yes to things that are just a little bit uncomfortable a little bit more uncomfortable than last week and then you know, that level of uncomfortability, it takes a whole lot more now to make you feel uncomfortable. So that's how you just keep raising the bar. And, you know, I was not born resilient. I was not born a warrior. I was not born an adventurer. It's just that I say yes to stuff that is outside the norm because uh, life is is uh, for living. And, and inside that Monday to Friday, you're not fucking living. You're just existing. Get off your ass. Say yes to shit. <laughs> Absolutely. 
And I saw uh, I saw in your your speaking engagement. So you're speaking to uh, a lot of uh, like high schools and stuff like that. How, how does it How does it make you feel when you when you speak to you know uh, young people like that? Yeah, look, it excites me. I, I I'm very passionate. I get very passionate about it, and um, you uh, you know you're not quite sure sometimes how you're being received because kids just they can't. But they excite me the most because, you know, they're, they're out, they're going to be running our country one day. Like they're the next thing sort of thing. So let's start getting them a little, and I just listen to my friends who have um, teenage kids or or young adults. And I just think, man, the resilient factor, it fell apart somewhere. You know, the the resilience in in kids today is uh, failing big time. So, um, it's yeah, it's, it's my passion, and hopefully, I can ignite something. In it. it just even if it's a small handful everywhere you go, you know, that's all you need because there is that ripple effect. There is right. definitely. So you know, whether they go home and say, "Oh, mum, I saw this girl today at school," and, and actually, there was a really beautiful story that came while I was in the middle of the Pacific. Um, Luis from Mexico. So I, I ended up having this amazing family in Mexico. The Mexicans just loved this. They they took it on like you can't believe. And oh, beautiful. Uh, somehow everybody knew if I get a message to Luis, he'll get it to Michelle because I was checking in with him on the sat phone. Mm. So he got recorded messages. He's got. He said, "I've got more than a hundred on my phone. You've got it." And every now and then he'd play a few for me. Mm-hmm. And there was a sixteen-year-old from California who sent him a message saying, "Please, can you tell Michelle that I really admire what she's done and." You know, she's really given me a, a spark for life. And then her dad contacted Lewis saying, can you just tell Michelle thank you? Because we haven't been able to connect with our 16-year-old. She's just been like, you know, distant and uninterested. And she's just got all this life about her now and blah, blah, blah. And he said, you tell her yourself. You send me a recording and I will play it. And uh, I mean, I was out there getting these messages going, Wow. You have no idea who you're impacting. You know what I mean? Ah, that's incredible. So you you row all day. You check your messages, and you you're you're up like doing messages. That's that's incredible because I would uh I would you know stop for the night and I would eat and I go to sleep and I get up in the morning and I go. But you're actually doing messages. That's fr- that's pretty incredible. So you were like super busy. Ah, it's wow. You're just like uh just nonstop. So whatever you were eating must have been helping out that lamb. That lamb is good stuff, right? I'll have to keep that in mind. <laughs> you can live on it. You can't survive on it, but I haven't had any. I've not had any stuff coming Very cool. Uh, Vegemite. Any Vegemite? I, I did have it on board, but, good. you know, you can't have Vegemite without butter. You just can't. There's, there's certain things that must be had in combination right. and you can't have Vegemite without butter. So my Vegemite came home unopened. Yeah. I have to have it on toast. I have it butter yeah. toast and Vegemite. That's the only way I can do it. But uh, yeah. it, a lot of people say it's like uh, peanut butter. No, it's different. So yeah, it's totally our taste just like peanut butter is. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, that, that's fun. So yeah, all the, all the little, you know, intricacies of the things that you did over time, uh, and you work that into, uh, you know, your, your rowing event, what is, what is the next thing for you, Michelle? I mean, you've done what most people can not, I can't even imagine rowing across the Pacific. That is incredible. Had a bunch of buddies that as a group 
uh, did a, uh, a, a rowing challenge, and they were one of the first ones to go over with a bunch of seals uh, across Atlantic. But they were. Oh, they but were that called? Were they called fight or die? Yes. They were in my race, so that was the first year they raced. Because then they said, "We are going to make sure we have a boat and four people in this event every single year." So they were the first lot in twenty eighteen. Yeah. Um, those four, and oh, they had some funny stories, man. Because they're hardened soldiers, right? Right. And they had some really funny stories about the arguments that took place on that boat. Oh, and, I can um, imagine. Yeah. You know, who, who was in charge? And who? You oh, yeah, alpha, all, all alpha males. I'm sure that was a that was a real fun time. And then I thought, well, as a solo, I won all the arguments. So, you know, I was like. And that's the way I was, too. I was like, I was solo. I, was, I liked it that way. Uh, and uh, and that's, that's what you experience on both of those. You know, so uh, I, I, unbelievable. Uh, so what, what's your what's actually, your next thing? What are you? It's actually with a crew. I, I, this will be interesting oh, for me because yeah. I'm going in the city to Hobart. Um, so uh, I'll be on board a 47-foot yacht with 11 other people. <laughs> Goodness, I'm I'm probably more afraid of that than uh, the journey and the you know and you know it's a short it's a it's a very short event it's between three and five days mm. so that will be interesting for me just to um, have you know personalities to deal with and you're in a small confined crib space uncomfortable conditions all that sort of thing but it is only three days like come on yeah. So, more than anything, I think it'll be fun. And they're a fun group. Like, I haven't even met all the crew yet, but so we've just started training. So you trade for about six months. You do a couple of offshore. You're going to do three offshore races or events before mm -hmm. the actual event. Right. So I still have to tick those boxes. But, uh, yeah, so that's the next thing. And then um, who knows? There's there's the Indian Ocean that's, that's sort of plaguing me already. Uh, maybe one more row, maybe one more, you know, one more chance to get it right because I didn't get everything right again. Like, you know, you still make mistakes, so there's still a lot of room for improvement. So uh, I'm driven by that. I'm not a perfectionist, but I, I do love reflecting and go, well, if I did this, this, and this differently, man, I'd have an even better time. So that's kind of on my mind. And, and the Indian would then just complete the globe for me. You know, I know, yeah. Like, Has anyone ever done that? Yeah, it's been done, uh, but... Okay. I, I actually don't know that it's been done solo. I know it's been done by team. Sure. Um, yeah. But not sure about solo. So, you know, who knows? But, I mean, look, the, the whole records thing, I mean, that's just a bonus. It's not my my drive or motivator. But um, if there's a record to be had, yeah, okay, I'll claim it. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I, uh, I kayaked around. There's a, there's a lake in uh, California, in Northern California, in Lake Tahoe. It's uh, basically... Get how many seventy something miles or something like that uh, all the way around. Uh, I did that in twenty four hour period, uh, nonstop. So I, I I like those challenges. I don't know if anybody else has done it. I I looked around. I didn't see anything like that. But I like those challenges too. You know, you just yeah. uh, go out and do them. Uh, I'm inspired to I'm inspired to do them. So it's kind of like you know maybe you're getting inspired to do something in the next level. So that's fun. Yeah, it's you know you you read the previous explorers and adventurers that I, I do, I get very excited. You know, you Shackletons and the pioneers and even, you know, Roger Bannister, you know, cracking the four minute mile. It's like these people, they give you the permission to go, you know, they've just told you it can be done. So yeah. that's all I need to know. I just need to know it can be done. And, you know, I'm not a pioneer. I don't go and do things for the first time. 
I know that you can row oceans. Other people do it. That's all I needed to know. I thought, well, they haven't got anything I haven't got. You know, you can learn anything. Uh, I don't know if I could learn to be an astronaut, but you can learn anything, right? Oh, you can do it. I, I've seen yeah. some of those guys. They're they're a bunch of knuckleheads too. So, <laughs> <laughs> they, but they just have the focus, like you know, like you do. They just have the focus, uh, yeah. and that's like uh, like you pointed out. You know, you want to, you want, you have a goal, focus, and we'll make it happen. Uh, that's you have yeah. to have that vision. You have to have, stay focused on it, and that's the way yeah. I've been all my life. So, you you yeah. definitely have that as well. It's fun. Yeah, totally. So. Uh, your experience as uh, you, you were a SEAL, I mean, to me, they are just like, whoa. And um, I listened to David Goggins while I was out there on my order okay. list. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, I was fascinated by the, the boundaries that you guys push. Would you say the mind rules the body or the body rules the mind? I always love this. The mind rules the yeah. body. I mean, you proved yeah. it yourself. I mean, yeah, you're, you're like, you know no real experience, not really an athlete and bam, you, you did this thing. Uh, that, that should just, anyone that listens to your story should be like, if she can do it, I can do it. And that's the way I was. I I just saw the people that had done it before. I was like, I'm going to crush this. That guy made it or that woman made it or whatever. Uh, so that's, that's kind of the way, you know, I look at things. Sometimes I don't have to see someone achieve something. I just like, I get inspired. Like it sounds like you do too. And I, I hope a lot of other people are being inspired by, you know, your experience as well. Uh, whatever kind of, whatever passion you have in your life, whatever it is, stay focused on it, believe in yourself and just, just keep going. You, you don't know what's going to, because everyone's individual. Everyone has a unique experience in everything we do. Yeah, totally. Yes. Yeah. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Well, Michelle, thanks so much. Uh, you know, it's it's absolutely amazing, uh, your experience. I, I love talking with you and all the things that you shared. Tell us again uh, how people can reach you. Uh, you can go to Facebook. I'm simply Michelle Lee on uh, Facebook. I put, you know, some little videos up. You can go to solorower.com, my uh, webpage, or uh, Michelle Lee Speaker. You'll find me there as well. There's a webpage for my speaking uh, and yes, definitely available for events, for corporates and the schools. Uh, love to share the uh, how to you know give you the blueprint, goal setting, and uh, I just encourage you to say yes. Don't don't wondering. Excellent. And you're you're in Australia right now, and you're you're early in the morning that time. So uh, you I, I assume you do Zoom link. So anyone in the world, you know, as long as it's decent time, you know, you would you would do a you would do a link with them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. Right. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll I'll put the uh, the links. Anyone's watching, the links will be in the description box. Uh, got a lot of links. A lot of I'll, I'll put all your information that you you share with me. It was absolutely stunning. Uh, so we'll put that in the uh, so you guys can explore Michelle Lee and her amazing life and you know what she accomplished. Would be great. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it was a pleasure and an honor. God, you're you're quite an inspiration. Thank you so much. Thank you, Michael. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to Unleashing Intuition Secrets, the podcast. Until next time, stay in the love vibration as you continue your journey to become the master of your reality. Reality.